So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection with your hosts, Rico Shields and Jean Victoria Norlock. Bringing your inner light to your everyday life. Hello, and welcome to this Thursday edition of Everyday Connection. I'm Rico Shields, and I have here with me Jane Victoria Norlock. How are you, Jane? I'm fantastic, Rick. How are you doing? Oh, just couldn't be better. Well, probably could, but it's wonderful. <laughs> I see our uh, fans and family are in the, uh, in the chat room. Yes, yes, family's gathering. Family's gathering slowly. Awesome. Um... Wow, so exciting week here at EC, but we can't tell you about it yet, so we'll get to something else instead. <laughs> oh, well, we're hopefully going to have some very interesting announcements coming along uh, later in the month, maybe in time to be a Christmas gift to everybody. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some very exciting things. and, and uh, certainly been a Christmas gift to us. And it's been a big week with fantastic guests. We have another one this evening, but uh, first we'd like to start with our uh, traditional shout-outs. I'll say hey to our uh, friendly musician, Jordan Okren. Had a video release today. It was uh, much fun. A successful uh, video release today. Yes, very much so, it looks to me. And a uh, great video. Because we will play the song soon. Yes, we'll play the song during the show. And, uh, of course, our dear friend Matthews is here. Uh, I understand that people have difficulty saying Matthews, but... It works for me. The last name, on the other hand, well, I'm hey, not even going to use. So, and uh, again, as usual, you know, a typical um, everyday show wouldn't be complete without a shout out to our extended family and inner child. Um, all our love to Bill and the fam over there, artists and poets, and all those amazing creators. Absolutely. And they've got some exciting things going on themselves here at the end of the year. Um, we have, uh, well, this being the first of the month, we have the remainder of the month left for the uh, World Healing World Peace Poetry Contest 2012. Um, let me just snick that link and get it in the chat room for everybody. Right. Yeah, and the, the link itself is World Healing World Peace Poetry 2012.yolasite.com. Basically, you... Tell them what they've won. Oh, sorry. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, Well, um, three winners. And actually, no losers, because everybody gets their their poetry published in an anthology 
about world healing and world peace. So I, there's no losers here, people, none at all. And this is a multinational contest. People have entered from around the world. There is um, a massive effort still underway uh, since since the beginning, actually, it's been underway and is still growing to provide marketing and promotions um, support for the three winners who will get their um, books published by Inner Child Publications. How cool is that? You get a book in your hand as an author. There's nothing cooler, I'm telling you, than that first printed version of your words, your thoughts, your feelings on paper, in your hands. You're staring at it going, wow, did I really do that? Um, So there's like I said, three winners, and uh, a whole bunch of different radio shows have agreed to bring on the winners as guests, and uh, we're just basically going to tell the world about about you Absolutely. being an author. How cool is that? It's extraordinarily cool, and everybody that submits is going to have their poem published in an anthology uh, later in 2012 in the spring, and uh, so just enter, and you'll be a published poet, and... Uh, and and for three lucky winners, you'll get an entire book of your poetry uh, published. So, been wondering how you could get your book published. Didn't have the money. Somebody to cut, design the cover. What? Submit if it's on uh, the uh, topic of world healing, world peace. Uh, all those details are at the website uh, as to how your submission should look. Mateusz. Mateusz? Mateusz. Mateusz. Skubel. Skubel. I don't know. I can't. He said, "Buddy, I'm Polish too, but I can't pronounce that at all. Like I don't. I don't even remember. I mean, I heard a lot of people speaking Polish when I was a kid, but he's saying it's Polish, and I can't pronounce that. I believe that is because of the last name. I've seen that last name before. I I haven't pronounced it right, obviously. Oh, you said it was Polish. He didn't say it was was Polish. Polish. It is Polish. It is Polish. Okay. Um, Because his mother commented on something once on his page, and it was in Polish. But there's no ski. Where's yeah. the ski? <laughs> it's okay. My not last name doesn't have a ski either. <laughs> yeah, not all the people from Poland. No, ski. no. Uh, Norlock doesn't have a ski. But you know what? 99% of my extended family all has ski at the end of their name. Cool. And I can pronounce those. Well, I, don't I know, say but... move right along to a name that I can pronounce. And oh, that would okay. be our wonderful guest this evening. We're uh, just pleased to have him with us. Mr. Paul Gilbertson. How are you, Paul? I'm very fine. Rick and Nikki, thanks for having me on tonight. It's a pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure. So we'll get right down to it, and I hope I'm not too shocking, but this is my typical question, and you were the one person we've never warned. Who the hell are you, and what do you do? <laughs> Thank you very much. I uh, <laughs> I am a self-thinking kind of kind of guy who's always coming up with an idea to make change, make a difference. And uh, I used to work for a living is what I tell people, and now I work to make a difference. Yeah, me too. (laughs) You too. (laughs) And actually, uh, the idea we're going to talk about tonight is something that just fell on me about four years ago. And my wife and I, and you, and you're talking about writing in your poetry contest. I, I find that intriguing because I've written some children's books myself back in 1999 and 2000. I was selling real estate at the time. I owned a building company, building homes and all that fun stuff. And I went off the deep end for six months and inspired by my four children, I wrote uh, 20 children's stories. And wow. that was an adventure in itself, I'll tell you. It was a lot of fun. That's so cool. You're the first children's author I've met. 
um, in my little family of creators around the globe. <laughs> I, so, so let's start with the going off the deep end because we hear a lot of that around here. Um, that's you know basically what Everyday Connection is about. It's about going off the deep end and then recovering and finding your purpose and your path and your passion and then following that. How did your kids save your? I mean, I kids How did save they lives. Yeah, kids save lives multiple times um, throughout every parent's life. Life, a kid will save your life at least, you know, ten, twelve, hundred <laughs> times by something they say or do that reminds you why you have a reason to live. But how, can you tell us the story of how your kids I inspired? Sure, I sure can. I, and I remember it distinctly. I was sitting in our family room on a Saturday morning, and two of my youngest children, Luke and Shyla, were watching a Beavis and Butthead cartoon on TV. And I said, hey, you two, there's got to be something better than Beavis and Butthead for kids. And they were about, at the time, probably eight and six years old. So I took them aside and I said, what would you like to hold in the palm of your hand that would make you feel good? Well, one of them said a teddy bear, and one of them said an angel. And I said, okay, I'll tell you what. I'll take the wings and a halo off the angel, put them on the teddy bear, and I'll write you a story about this teddy bear being the rescuer in an adventure. So that writing about the teddy bear led to writing about a a frog, a dog, a pig, a cow. I I went off the deep end. That's when I wrote 20 children's stories all about little characters with wings and a halo that were rescuers in these adventures. That is so cool. That's very cool. Oh, yay. We'll talk later about how I can get my hands on some of these books. Um, I was going to throw this out there to you guys tonight. If anyone listening to us tonight emails me at paul.gilbertson at reachachild.org. I will send them a free, no-strings-attached, signed copy by the author himself of Our Kind-Hearted Pig with Wings and a Halo. That's awesome. Does that count for the host, too? That counts for the host as well. You betcha. Yay! Woohoo! <laughs> That's good. But a cute little story about sibling rivalry and to love your brothers and sisters. So it has a real positive message to it. That's awesome. We love positive messages. Um, now, speaking of positive messages, you've turned your love of writing children's books into something um, absolutely incredible. Um, it, you've actually birthed an organization that is making a huge huge difference i'm sure in thousands of children's lives can you tell us the story of how that idea came to be sure sure i'd love to uh getting back to how i written the first story you know you go through as a first-time author all the different ways you try and get your first story published and i remember sending out manuscripts i sent out about a hundred manuscripts to publishers all over america thinking who wants to pick up this first book well i I went off and got the artwork back from that first. I, I Actually, I was building a home for a guy and his wife, and we were walking through an unfinished future extended right above the garage. We had to walk to make my first book. Finished off and went to an art studio. And then I saw. All right. Um, Paul? Oh, it evolved to where we started a nonprofit as 
back in 1999-2000, I tried to promote the book myself, just going door-to-door, store-to-store, and it met with a lot of success here in Wisconsin is where I'm from. We were in actually all the Walgreens stores in Wisconsin and all those precious moments. Okay. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Paula, are you still with us? Okay. Oh. Well, we're going to see if we can. I'll I'm just... Back. I'll just dial him back. It's possible that there's other stuff using the internet at his end or on wireless. Let's we'll give that a try. We can always try the phone too. Yes. There's we have, not an option. I have one. <laughs> I have not one. Not one. This happens to us sometimes, folks. We we bring a lot of energy together when we uh, when we go on the air. And uh, uh, we we bring you know spiritually active, energetic ah. people that are passionate about their passionate about their uh, uh, their work, and it sometimes overloads our lines. If somebody so, teaches me how to say your name, a choose I can answer you. <laughs> eccentric. That's yeah, yeah. You could say that. I'm definitely eccentric. Absolutely eccentric. All right, folks. Let me. Uh, we've been talking about Jordan Okren and his song that uh, had the video debut today. So how about we listen to Bottled Up while I try to get Paul back on the line? Everybody, hang with us. We'll be right back.
love Jordan. Yes, we do. She's all bottled up. So That's really good stuff, and I noticed today on Facebook that somebody uh, uh, commented on his uh, video that she was so thankful for it because her uh, she had a daughter, a young teenage daughter, that was going through some hard times, and uh, and it helped mom just to see that there was a light at the end of the tunnel. And, uh, uh, you know, there wasn't a comment about whether it helped daughter or not, but it helped mom feel better. And here at Everyday Connection, anybody help somebody else feel better there on our team <laughs> absolutely absolutely and it, it is really actually a really powerful song um the video is equally powerful uh coming from an alcoholic family uh gotta say jordan it touched me uh, a little bit um nice dub- double message in there and uh, again like i said powerful i don't really have another word for that song it's powerful message and we love Jordan. So we're still working on the connection thing. Yeah. But yeah, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Having a little trouble. And, 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 of course, while it's telling me that there's a problem with the call, I can't actually reach the hang-up button. So, uh, well, I can reach one, but it would hang up on everyone, and we can't have that. And we can't have that. So uh, um, we will um, – I don't know. What do you want to talk about? Talk about how we found this guy. We um, found him because – we were looking for organizations to donate to with our own project that we had going on on the side, um, the Looking Younger project. Um, it was, it, it is a platform for youth around the world to submit their blogs, and eventually we're hoping to collect the blogs and publish them into a book. And Paul's, um, Paul's organization came to our attention right around the time I was looking for organizations to donate to out of the sales of the book. So that's that's how we met Paul, and this is actually the first time we've gotten a chance to talk to him in person. Yes, brief though it may have been, and it's a <laughs> it's a great organization, and so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing it. We're still working on, uh, uh, I don't know if, if uh, Paul, you might have the, the sound on in the, on your computer if you do, and you can hear me. Um, if you could just type your uh, direct line number into the uh, Skype chat window there, uh, I can call your telephone as well uh, through Skype. Um, we just get much better sound quality that way, but uh, I have sent him our phone number so that he can call in as well. So hopefully we'll get uh, we'll get Paul back here shortly. Um, so tell us a little more about this looking younger thing. Okay, well, help you us know, find Paul. Crazy idea about booking younger was uh, we seem to believe here at Everyday Connection that everybody has the answers, not just the adults. Um, so the idea was to give the youth a chance to express um, their visions, their ideas, um, and their opinions about some of the world issues that we're facing right now. So. We we built a blog site, basically, and we put out the invite for young people to write in, and um, we picked 200 blogs out of the blog site as they're posted and ultimately publish a book and then give the proceeds from the sale of the book to charity. Uh, you know, we're still building. <laughs> so so uh, if you, you're hearing this and you're interested, it's www.lookingyounger.blogspot.com. 
and the Blooking Younger team will go over your blogs once they're submitted to um, the Blooking Younger email account. We'll go over your blogs and we'll post them up on the blog site. And then um, ultimately, once the book is published, uh, it'll be sold. And then proceeds will go to two organizations, one of them being Pulse. Reach a Child. Reach a Child. Reach a Child. We figured it was fitting, given that it was, you know, youth writing about wanting to change the world. So, um, yeah, Jordan, we thought it was a great idea, too. <laughs> I, I love the chat room for that we can we can actually interact with um, with our guests. Um, yeah, it's it's been fun so far. And uh, like I said, it's still growing. So pass on pass on the website. We've got a few videos up, a few YouTube videos up about it to let people know about it. And um as it as it goes along. We we had an initial date for when we were gonna publish or pick the blogs, but uh we can extend that. We're not you know, it's more about quality and um and getting the youth involved than it is about having a timeline. Spirit doesn't have a timeline apparently. No, apparently not. Um them, them. Oh, I'm getting hassled from the okay. chat room here. Um, so you're still, I don't know, guys, Jordan and my friends in the chat room. Um, what is considered youth, Jordan wants to know. Okay, we had, we had, um, the age limit was at 20, honey. So yes. it was from 5 to Age 20. 5 to 20. Age 5 to 20. And we've got three different, um, three different... Let's oh, see if I this phone, phone number actually goes to Paul. Thank you for calling Reach a Child. Will we put nope. smiles on the faces of children? No. Okay. That was there. Well, it was a shot in the dark. It's the only number hey, I had. We like shots in the dark. That's yeah. Okay. It's worked before. Sometimes you take a shot in the dark and a whole project appears. Poof. Really? Jordan, I didn't know you were 20. Well, there you go. You can contribute to that, too. But you're busy right now. You're working on something else. Tee hee hee. So, um, but hey, you can do both. <laughs> Now, do you guys have any questions tonight Since we're, while we're waiting for Paul to uh, pop in or to pop back in or for him to find us? No questions. No questions in the chat room. Hmm. Rick, do you have any questions tonight? Is there anything you're, you need to know or is troubling you? Hello? I only have one. Uh, mm -hmm. What's the meaning of life? Oh, that's easy. To live. Oh, okay. It's in my second book. I thought it was 42. No. Isn't that what the computer it's... said? 42? No, Madison answered it during the writing of my second book. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, you're reading that right now, right? Yes, I am. Yes. Well, you'll get About to that answer through, eventually. Somewhere there. Okay. All right. You but have a lot to talk about. You I would 42. I would agree. 42, yeah. That's the, the meaning one. of life is to live. Darn it. It's not hard. Why is yeah. it so difficult? It's 42. To figure that one out. It's 42. It's Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yes, I know. Super massive, multi-super computer. It's 42. <laughs> I think that's probably just about as meaningful an answer as anybody could give. If you, if you wanted that to be it, you could have that be it. Okay, it could meaning be The meaning of it. life is to live it and to give it the meaning, to bring to it the meaning that you see. Uh, we all see a different meaning when we look at something. Um, we see that in eyewitness testimony. 
where eyewitnesses see different things. They do it in colleges a lot. In, in psych classes, somebody will run in and try to steal something or do something and run back out. And then the professor will have everybody in the class silently write down what they saw, and you get you know, both ends of the spectrum and lots in the middle. Um, what is what is Matthew Hughes doing? He's, it's a question. I asked them if they wanted any questions. Chris is back online. <laughs> Do you want to try and call him one more time and see if we can get a phone number out of him? Uh-uh. Yay, he gave you the number. You can call him now. Um, okay, well, the, the comment in the chat room is that... Okay, awesome. Did you get the number, Rick? Did. Okay. I did get it. This okay, perfect. Good. So um, while we're bringing um, Paul back on. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hey there, Paul. Hey. Sorry, Welcome we back. technology got ahead of ourselves there. Yeah, uh, you gotta okay. love you gotta love technology, but only. Uh, it happens. <laughs> yep, you bet. No problem. Let's pick up where I left off. Where, where where would you like me to pick up? Um. Start with what is the last thing you heard? <sighs> well, it went foggy for me before it went foggy for everybody else. Yeah, well, yeah, it went foggy a little bit before uh, I think w- the call dropped, but uh, we had gotten well, me, the stories for the kids, uh, and then you got the inspiration to do something much bigger with it. Oh, well, let me tell you how that all transpired, because back between 2000 and 2007, I got heavily involved in some real estate projects. So we were, I was a general contractor for actually one of the top 50 building companies in the world. That's how busy we were at one time. I had 250 employees working for me. And when the real estate market, as you all well know, when the bubble burst on that, I always tell people we were the pin that burst the bubble in our project. We went from the busiest company in the world to uh, losing millions of dollars over the course of the next 12 months. And it was at that point in time I looked in the mirror and I said, you know, Paul, you've had a great life. What do you want to do the rest of your life? And uh, I decided I was going to pick up my children's book writing ideas. And so my wife and I flew out to New York around Memorial Weekend of 2007 uh, for a convention for authors and illustrators. And I was going to jumpstart back into the writing career for children's books. And while we were in New York, we had a chance to do some sightseeing. We toured Ground Zero, of all places, and we were inspired by a moment at Ground Zero to start a nonprofit. And it was, we saw some chalk and crayon drawings that children had done posted on a wall. And every child that could post a picture up on that wall had lost a loved one in that event. We were thinking how traumatized they were probably the rest of their life from that one single event. And so, you know, I tossed it back and forth. The next day I'm going to the Javits Center in New York, a huge expo center, over 1,500 different booths of authors, illustrators, publishers from all over the country. And I was thinking, what do they do with all their leftover kids' books, and why doesn't someone give a book to a child in the midst of a traumatic situation to shift their focus to something positive? And that's where the idea began. Hmm. Shift their focus. I, we we like that around here. We actually have a video titled that. So we we, we love that. <laughs> we we you know, 
talked about a shift of focus. So then we came back to Wisconsin after the trip to New York, and you know, I remember looking at my wife and said, "Honey, I think I'm not going to become that famous children's book author. I think I'm going to start a nonprofit." I remember her looking at me and going, what do you know about non-profits? And I said, hey, my building company ended up being a non-profit. I think I know all there is to know about being a non-profit. <laughs> <laughs> Just work for free and you know, do it for nothing. Yeah, so anyhow, with that idea in mind, we thought, well, how are you going to get books to kids in crisis? First off, I remember my daughter and I, my youngest daughter at the time was about probably 15, we went to a scene of a national disaster. It was a flooded community, and we thought, oh, good, we'll hand out books to all the kids we see kind of thing. By the time we got there, everything was roped off. We had the Salvation Army, Red Cross, State Patrol, Sheriff's Department, Police Department, and there were no kids anywhere. And I said, well, this is a dumb idea. So I was on the way back. I called my local police chief. I said, do you chiefs ever get together? Do you have an idea I want to run by you guys? They said, yeah, we meet once a month. I said, well, can I be invited? He goes, sure. So I told him my idea was to give books in a backpack to chiefs of police and their police department and all the deputies and all the first responder vehicles. So they had a tool when they were out with children in crisis to reach for a backpack and hand the child a children's book to help comfort them from that frightening situation, help shift their focus to something positive. Turning a negative into a positive, that was our whole idea. And I remember talking, I was invited to that first board meeting of these guys, all 50 of them and their badges and guns, and I'm sitting there thinking, boy, if they don't like me, I'm better head out of town on a rail or something. But, you know, the president of that association stood up afterwards and he said, Paul, this is the best idea I've ever heard. How soon can you get it going? And that was in um, November of 2007. We kicked off the program in Dane County, Wisconsin, with 350 squad cars and ambulances. And that was about 3,000 books we needed for that launch. And believe it or not, today this program is in over 12 states, and we're looking to get into Canada and all over the country, and we're in over 15,000 squad cars and ambulances, and in our first four years, we've already given away over 300,000 children's books to kids in different crisis situations. Wow. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. You know, we're looking at partnering now with national and international programs and service groups and clubs and corporations to help us expand globally. My goal, a 10-year goal, is to become a, a global initiative because books have not been the problem. We can, Kids have kids doing book drives. They'll do a buck in a book drive. They'll raise money funding books. And we have books coming from all sources all over the country. And we are shipping them out to different police departments, first aid stations. And we actually expanded just within the last 12 months. We're giving books to kids that come into state penitentiaries and jails to visit their incarcerated moms or dads because those kids are truly falling through the cracks. The literacy is rampant in the uh, jail incarcerated system across the country. Seventy percent of all inmates are illiterate or less than a third grade reading level and their children are six times more likely to be incarcerated as adults. So we're trying to put a dent in that and break the cycle of illiteracy because, you know, as I'm in this now 24-7, I realize how literacy is a foundation for anyone to succeed in life. You have to be able to read, to write, to get a job, get an education, to feel some self-worth, self-confidence. 
and to really uh, succeed in your own lives. And it's just huge, the importance of literacy. And, and I can guarantee you that people who end up in jail and off on the streets and chasing their tails and trying to find what they want to do, but probably have never picked up a book and have a hard time understanding, comprehending much of what's out there in their written language. So we're just trying to put it down there. We've also started a program in the ERs, giving books to kids that come into an emergency room to visit, either with a mom and dad or as a patient because that's a frightening environment. We've also started a program with district attorneys because they oftentimes interview children that have to and videotape them so they don't have to go into a courtroom. They have to, at that time, they'll relive the experience, whether it was child molestation or neglect or anything like that. And that's a frightening thing to relive. And so they're now giving them children's books to help them shift their focus once they're done explaining all that stuff. So it's amazing the... The parameters are just limitless of what this program can go out and do. And uh, one of the biggest satisfactions I've been hearing from the law enforcement community, they're calling our program the fastest-growing crime prevention program in the country. And I remember when I first heard that, I said, what are you talking about crime prevention? We're just giving books to kids. And he goes, no, what you're doing, Paul, is giving an, an officer an opportunity to engage that child in something positive, in a crisis moment that they'll never forget, and having a positive relationship, start of a relationship there happening. And it's all about relationship building. As you guys know, everything in life is all about building relationships and networking, growing, going and doing different things and great things. And so we're, we're open to initiate, uh, you know, you're talking about reaching kids before they've ever committed a crime and engaging them in literacy and enjoying the love of reading and potentially never, ever committing a crime because they have positive role models. Maybe they, we have an officer in Madison, Wisconsin, who now three years ago used to drive into some of the government-subsidized housing areas and kids would take off running away from his squad car. Today, kids come running to his squad car because he has a, a box of children's books in the back seat of his squad. And, you know, you hear stuff like that, you go, boy, that is really engaging those children in something positive. You know? It is, and, and, and I just have to congratulate you on uh, on coming upon what uh, what may be their biggest uh, crime-fighting tool uh, and, 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 and biggest negativity-fighting tool. I, I love books. Uh, I yeah. learned the joy of reading uh when i was young and and i still will go uh pick up a fiction book pick up a novel when it is one way if things in life are kind of getting on you you could pick up a book and go away somewhere nice that's right you got it exactly yep. and for these children that are in um you know something Something traumatic has occurred. Now there's flashing lights and guys in uniforms with guns and telling people, get here, go there. And yeah. so you, you've got these children that have had nothing but negative, even if the officer didn't do anything negative, nothing right. but negative interaction with the police. And then, it, you know, I'm not saying that that's the, uh, that's the answer to the whole, you know, kill the police movement. But right, right. It, it has been it's been my experience and it, it, it's been called to my attention a lot lately with the things that have been going on in the in the country and in the world that the vast majority 
I will not argue with anyone that there's bad apples on every tree, but that the vast, vast, vast majority of police officers I've ever interacted with are just very caring people that want to help. Sure, exactly. And, and so giving them an opportunity, giving them a way to have something positive to do, you know, because here's this poor kid that may have to be, because the officer doesn't know what's going on, may end up almost, you know, isolated in the back of a squad car. And mm-hmm. there may not be another officer there to put a hat on him and let him run the siren and whatever. Right. Um, uh, and, and here's this kid just looking out this window of this car, and they can't get out because it's the back end of a police car. You can't get out of those. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and and with a book with some bright colored pictures and you know even if they even if they can't read it, it, it you know it's a children's book. They're uh, gosh. Yeah. Uh, congratulations again. I just, wow. I mean, it's just such a simple idea, and I'm just wondering, you know, it, it, I didn't realize the implications of all this. I remember when I was first interviewed on my first radio back four years ago, the woman who interviewed me must have been a big literacy proponent. She goes, Paul, this may be the first book that some of these kids ever get. And I was thinking, you've got to be kidding me. I say to myself, everyone's got books. And sure enough, two weeks later, I got an email from a detective that had been called to a domestic violence situation where there was an abusive boyfriend beating up on seven children, two female adults in an apartment. The police finally kicked the boyfriend out, and they went out to their squads, grabbed a couple of backpacks of the children's books, gave them to the kids, and also some blankets that Lands and supplied for them. She came back the next day and was greeted at the door by one of the little girls, took her by the hand, took her into a room, and as she walked past people in the living room. They were reading to one another. The adults were reading to the kids. One of the kids reading to another sibling. And she showed her nice, newly made mattress on the floor with a new blanket on it. And I remember getting that email. She said in the closing statement, it's beginning to look more like a normal family. And I'm going, you know, this all happened 13 minutes from my house. You know, you think this kind of stuff only happens in the big metropolitan areas and where there's high crime rates and all that stuff. And here, here it is, 10 minutes, 15 minutes from my house is transpired. And I read that story to a Rotary Club in Wanakee, Wisconsin. And after that, I read that little email, a gal came up to me and she said, I want to donate bunk beds to that family. So I contacted the, uh, the detective and their boss, the assistant chief, and I said, I have some family that wants to donate a some bunk beds in that family. He goes, oh, great, line it up. So he lined it all up. They coordinated the whole thing. They bought over three bags of groceries with their three uh, boys and a little girl and their family and went over and gave them bunk beds to this family. And I said, you know what, it's like a Paul Harvey. Now you know the rest of the story. And mm-hmm. it all just starts out with a little idea to think that a book can have such an impact on children that don't have books. You know, they really are hungry for a book. You know, it's amazing when this officer who has his box of books in his back seat. I just got a similar story from Lake Placid, Florida. We just started a program down there about three months ago, and one of the officers says, the most important tool in my vehicle is a backpack of children's books. I'm thinking, wow, that guy really gets it. He really understands it. He he builds bridges with these children just by giving books. He says he's oftentimes caught in the grocery store, and a kid will come up to him, hey, do you have any more books for us? <laughs> yeah, isn't, isn't that just cool? I mean, it's just such a neat story. I had one email I got to share with you. I just got last Friday, a week ago today. You know, I'm telling you, we get into this jail and prison program giving books to kids. 
the visiting Carson Mountains did. I got a letter emailed to me from the, uh, one of the patrol officers inside a correctional facility just, you know, 30 minutes from my house. He says, he wrote it to his deputy warden. Here, I'll read it verbatim here. Dear Deputy Warden, I wanted to take a moment and share with you a brief story regarding the Reach a Child project in the CCC visiting room. That's a community correctional, Columbia Correctional Institute visiting room. Many young eyes of Brighton when presented with one of the storybooks for their very own to keep. I've also witnessed men hardened by their own life's choices soften when offering one of the books to their child. But one evening as I was preparing an inmate to return to his unit, he thanked me for the book given to his children. He told me he had never learned to read and had always been very embarrassed when someone found out. He went on to say, however, he had participated in a Department of Corrections reading class, and on this night, the night the new books had been given to his kids, he, for the first time, was able to read to them. He goes on to say, Warden Duma, I have worked at the correctional facility for over seven years and realize that there's a lot of game playing, but I truly believe this inmate had one of his finest moments in our visiting room. Signed by Officer James Porter, Columbia Correctional Institute. I mean, just goes to show you that, you know, I think that guy, it's like the guy who learned to read there, read his first book. It's like when I was in fourth grade, I didn't know I had bad eyesight until I got my first pair of reading glasses. <laughs> I put them on, and, man, I could see everything crystal clear. I didn't know I was missing all that detail. And that's kind of how this guy must have felt reading his first book, you know, as an adult to the, his children for the first time in his life. And talk about making a difference. And that is just, mm. it thrills me to no end. And this is this program's only been around four months now. And we've already handed out 9,000, over 9,000 children's books to kids visiting Carson Bob's and Dad's. And that's just in one state. We're, like I said, we're looking to take this program national, global, in all different levels that we're at, not only in the jails and prisons, but ERs and police vehicles, first responder vehicles. Well, I'll tell you what, I um, we're going to talk some after the show, uh, you and I, because I have a good friend um, that uh, I've known for years that works um, in the Department of Corrections in Huntsville, Texas. Okay. Uh, the very prison that uh, Dog the Bounty Hunter came to Texas to visit because that's where he went to jail and turned his life around. Um, and um, and I have another friend that's also a radio host that um, is, is very big on children's issues and is uh, in uh, nursing staff, works with uh, kids that come into the ER and also works with kids that come into uh, substance abuse uh, Units there, oh, yeah. and um, sure. uh, so, uh, but I know I, I know my friend uh, Heather out in Huntsville would just be. Um, she's got some bright and shiny kids, and she reads to them because she wants them to know how important it is to read. So, sure, I I, I can probably almost volunteer her. You know, I, <laughs> she. She's a, right. she's a corrections officer, and and so she, yeah. she wouldn't be in the position, but she would in the she would know who is. And yeah, that's right, absolutely, sure. So, <clears throat> I, 
I think you're getting sniffly nosed over there, James. I hear you. Yeah, yeah, I'm in tears. I've had my share of run-ins with the police. Um, I'm no angel, and um, I honestly believe that if your program had been around years ago, that it's more than possible that my second round of run-ins with the police would have never occurred because I carried around a real, a real anger and a real hate for the police for for at least 10 years, um, a, a deep-seated mistrust that was born out of um, out of just miscommunication and, sure. and the way things were done back then. So coming from somebody who's been in that position, I have to say thank you. Um, as an author, I wish I was a kid's book writer so I could give you some books, but um, we'll do our best to, to pass your stuff along. Yeah, I know a couple and of those too. I know that um I know what's really important to me about this is um is how it must be affecting not just the children but the, the police themselves yeah. who are trained to keep up a barrier between them and the people that they're dealing with. Because I've, I've spoken to a few of them. My dad actually was an ex-cop. And in some part, their training cr- creates a barrier for mm-hmm. for their own protection and their own well-being. But that attitude has to change when dealing with children and, and battered women. So th- this must be awarding them an opportunity to really be able to reach inside themselves and express caring for the people that they swore have sworn to protect in a whole new way and that's incredible well let me you're absolutely right it is incredible let me tell you a real story that happened to me that has inspired me since the day it happened to me this is about two or three years ago when it happened i was with my wife driving up to uh, northern Wisconsin to watch my youngest daughter play soccer. She plays soccer for one of the college teams. We stopped for gas in Wisconsin Dells. And as I was pumping the gas into the car, I looked over, a couple stalls over, it was a state trooper vehicle. So I went over to his vehicle and I tapped on his window. And he rolls it down and I said, excuse me, officer, do you happen to know a friend of mine who works for the state patrol? His name is Chuck Teasdale. And he helped my wife and I get a program going with you guys. Well, he gets out of his squad car and puts on his big hat that he always puts on. He's about six foot two. He says, how do you know Captain Teasdale? He's my boss. I said, hey, I don't mean to do anything ruffle here or anything. My wife and I just wanted to see. We, we started a program with the State Patrol about eight months ago, giving you guys backpacks filled with children's books so you could give a book to a child to see if an accident, a fire, or a domestic crisis. Like asked him point blank. I said, do you have a backpack in your squad car? He looks at me and goes, you know what? I'm all out of books, but do I have a story for you? And here's the story he told me. He says, what's your name? I said, my name is Paul. I said, I point to my car. I said, that's my wife, Chris, sitting in the car over there. He goes, you know, Paul, last Christmas day, I was called to the scene of a rollover on the I-90, I-94, just north of Wisconsin Dells. It was an F-150 extended cab pickup truck. It had four occupants in the vehicle. There was a mother driving, a husband in the passenger seat, a grandmother behind the husband, and a little girl behind the mother in the extended cab part of the truck. When I got to the scene of the accident, the road I could see was glazed over, and the wind blowing across the snow was flying. 
He said he noticed the truck had somersaulted several times. He got out of his squad, he walked over, he noticed there had been a victim expelled from the vehicle. It was the grandmother, and she died on sight. He said he looked over to his left, and he saw this little girl standing there all by herself in a snowbank, speechless and in shock. He went back to his squad, grabbed his backpack and children's books, walked over to that little girl, knelt down next to her, looked up at her and said, Would you like a children's book? He said it just changed her entire being. She reached into the backpack, pulled out a couple books, looked up at the officer and said, Do you mind if I take these with me on the ambulance? I'm going to the hospital with my mom and dad. He says, Of course. And he looks at me and goes, I mean, he has a tear rolling down his cheek. I'm standing there trembling. He goes, I bet this is what you're hoping this program is going to do, isn't it? I said, this is exactly what I want this program to do. I look over at my wife, and she's kind of waving to me, like, let's keep going. She has no idea the conversation I'm in here. And I said to that officer, can you do me a favor? Can you write me that story? Can you email me that story? Share that story with a volunteer. He looks at me and says, no, I can't. It makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up just telling you that story. <laughs> so he gets back into his squad car. There's a tear rolling down his cheek. He takes off. I walk over to my car, pull the nozzle out of the gas thing, put it back in the thing, and I open the door. I look at my wife. I said, honey, I am so glad we're doing what we're doing. I got a story to tell you. You know, not only does it make a difference on the kids that I'll never meet, you know, we've given away 300,000 books in four years already, but also that officer, like you were saying there, Nikki, those officers get into that profession to try and make a difference, to help kids. And I'll guarantee you that guy will remember that experience the rest of his life that he actually made that little girl feel great. A minute in the midst of a traumatic situation. I mean, I would have never heard that story, and he would have never told anybody that story if I hadn't gone over and tapped on his window. I mean, that is the kind of story that inspires me every day to keep doing what I'm doing here because of the difference it's making. It just it changes the whole dynamics of how people view um, view our relationship with the police and with um, enforcement officers. Changes the dynamics, I'm sure, of how the enforcement officers view their relationship with the public, and right. will go um, such a long way to healing both sides wounds that have been around for generations. Really, mm-hmm. with regards mm-hmm. to the public and the uniform and the division between the two. There's I, many, many. I don't of... think I've spent a show crying this much, so. Um, <laughs> I don't really know what to say other than thank you, I guess. Um, just well, yeah. thank you. <laughs> no, I mean, thank blessing. you for letting me get the word out because we're just trying to grow one community at a time, one child at a time. And, and I just, I just I feel a moral obligation now that I know so much about what difference this program can make. I just want to do everything I in my powers to take it to the national and the global because has look anybody, at all the kids whose lives it would affect. You know, just has anybody small. from Canada um, offered to approach the police for you here? No, not yet. I have, we have not done any program in Canada at all yet, and I'd love to. You'd be my first one. Montreal brings back old memories. I, 
would be absolutely honored to to represent Reach a Child and to con- connect with the police here and try and try and pitch this for you. Oh, I, I would absolutely honored to do that. So um, get in touch with me and we will have a long heart to heart. You have me on Skype now, so we can talk at any time. Um, and, and I have uh, his, I have his number that I can give you too. Yeah. Um, because that's uh, wow. so many police. So many police, like I said, you know, intimated or inferred earlier, they they wanted to be a police officer because they wanted to help people. Yeah. Yeah. And that's then right. they send, you know, their rookie cop and they're on the beat in some high crime area, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. may go years and not have a positive interaction with hardly anybody. Yep. And you're you're you hit a right on the head there. You, you see these guys; they're getting angry, they're depressed, they want to quit, they want to because they, they didn't. I, so many of them did not get in, so they could pepper spray right. people sitting on the ground. That's just one I just, weirdo. I see so many opportunities so, for this. I mean, the welfare system, the social services system, um, child protective services, child protective no, services. It's surprising you'd say that because just last Friday I was talking to a gal that wants to come and work with us as one of our new national directors, and we have just created a brand-new program just last Friday. We haven't even launched anywhere yet. It's called READ, and it means Reaching Elementary to Adolescent. Let me get the last D. It's Dependence. And it's dealing with kids in social service care, in the foster care program, in orphanages, and at child abuse centers. Because with that program, we would have just what every kid accounted for that we could to get a book to a child in the moment that they needed the most, you know. And so that is still just on the drawing board, that whole concept, because we have been supplying the, the locally, the social service department handed out probably several thousand books every couple months here right. just in Madison, Wisconsin. But the impact, you know, because social workers, when they go out to take a child out of the custody of one adult to take them to another family, that child, as we find out, has to leave with nothing other than the clothes on their back because they don't want them taking a baseball cap or a glove or a book because that might relate them to the adult that was previously watching over them. And maybe there's a bad connection here, so they want to break all those things. I'm going, holy cow, you're telling them they're... Leaving with nothing in the clothing of their neck? Yeah, we oftentimes they say, go out and buy a book or a teddy bear to give to the boy or the girl. I'm thinking, geez, you guys don't make enough money to do that. Why don't we have a program that does that for you? So that's how we've been creating our different programs. I, I get pulled in four different directions of people that say, hey, why don't we get books to kids over here or over there? And I'm like, great idea, you know? We just got to find the funding. We got to find the corporate sponsors. We got to find the national people that are, would like to get our cause on, out there and on everybody's radar. My goal is to have Reach a Child become a household word so people know we exist and then they can see the results of what we're doing. You know, it was interesting today, I gave a call to, I don't know if you ever heard of the organization out of Chicago, they do research and studies on gangs. They've been doing this for 20-some years. Their initials are NGCRC. I called that department today. I said, I see you guys have a a seminar coming up in Chicago next July. I said, I'd like to be the keynote speaker there. And the guy kind of goes, well, there's no way that's going to happen. I mean, not knowing me from anything, you know, and I'm kind of just kind of spouting off just to get his attention. 
And I said, you know, I stumbled on a program that maybe there'll be no gang someday if you're spending enough time and effort not trying to rehabilitate people in gangs, not trying to figure out how they can adapt back to society from being in a gang, but don't ever want to be in a gang in the first place. you got to reach the children. you got to spend the time and effort. And they didn't have that even in their foggiest mind. It was like, oh, you know, we need to get more police to supervise that area. Or we need to we need to spend more money, you know, oh, making sure these... Need well, more guns. well, specialists... You know, <laughs> to, I just said, you're just going to put out the fire, you're not... Starting it from starting. Violence begets violence. That well, is, and, I yeah. mean, that's the, the it, ultimate truth. Violence begets violence. If you can show love, compassion, support, understanding right. to them when they're young, they're going to grow yes. up knowing that they have a that's sense right. of worth. You need to let there them know they're worth something. That's what it all boils down to. It's all the self-worth that I'm okay. Yes. There's nothing wrong yes. with me. There's mentality. nothing wrong with me. I didn't do this. It's not my fault. Yep. And the knowledge, too, the knowledge, too, that there is still joy and happiness after and that whatever it is that care, happened. And you know? There's so many ways that this is an incredible program that, you're right, needs to be everywhere. It does, uh, yeah. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, this folks that went and the next day and the family was reading to each other. Yeah, this, right. this is the missing, one of the missing links to me is the sense of community. You've got parents that work, the kids come home, there's no parents around. Even when the parents come home, the parents are tired and they hurt and they put yeah. the kids in front of the TV and nobody talks to anybody. Pretty soon yeah. they're all on iPods and playing games and they're yeah. off in their own universes and... Uh, that can be okay for personal happiness, I suppose, but it makes society stop because society mm-hmm. is about relationships and connections. And um, uh, this offers opportunity for connection. I can see kids coming over to play and these kids proud about their new book, showing them the book and other kids. You know, it just, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's, it, it's, it, you know, you mentioned you didn't really foresee you know, when you just had this little idea, you know, how far it might could go or what. And yeah. sometimes I think in life we don't see how far something could go because if we did, it might scare the pants off us and we wouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hear you. See, there was one little, this part of this article, I was going to read you a paragraph out here, just talking yeah. about exactly what we've been talking about. And it talks how the officers were felt so great about it. It says, the article quotes, both officers that have held small children in their laps and read to them. For some of those kids, it may have been a first-time experience. You sort of sense that this this is something this kid isn't used to, Schneider said. They always love it. You you can see their faces light right up. It's special to them that someone is taking the time. That's what he says. I'm thinking, mm. That officer really gets it, you know. Really, really gets it. it talk, he w- can't even imagine the impact that he can be having on that child's life in ten years from now, in fifteen years from now. Don't look back on those memories and go, "Man, maybe I want to be a police officer." You know, maybe I want to be a guy like that guy who shared his first story book or read to me when no one else would. They paid attention to me when I was just a little kid. And that's such oh, that's a good reason right. to Nobody want to grow up and be a cop. Me, but this guy had time for me, and and 
you know, it has been said that world peace will only be achieved when every single individual on the planet feels accepted and loved where is as is. And that's what yep. this does, is give that sense to these children. And well, I think lives, are like, that. lives are like big ships, you know, and, and they grab these kids that are 15 and want to try a gang diversionary tactic. Yes, yeah, right. You, if you go back to when they're five, you can make a teeny-tiny little change, just like that's a right. ship crossing the ocean. A small change in course makes a huge yeah. difference in where you arrive. And... <laughs> And, uh, sure. But doesn't and, it also? It but also you can't turn a ship of, on a ninety degree corner. You know, you just can't do that. It's too late. Yeah. <sighs> it also alters the sense of self worth worth of the officers, and that's like I, I can't stress that enough. That the impact that this must be having on the officers. I know. Yeah. Yes, of course, it's having an amazing impact on the children. But, um, I, you know, you just wow. Yeah, you know, for yeah, all the is. times that they well, have to the, he, healing on both sides. Yeah, it's, it's so incredible. <laughs> people that say, you know, the government, the police, they're all, they're all whatever they say. No, they're not. Yeah. But they're just people. and. But if we all treat them that way, you know, sure. Uh, yeah. To heck with the police and uh, worse language in the music and all of that and oh, it's the fuzz, it's the cops, it's the pigs. Yeah, uh, yeah. right, right. We generate sort of us-against-them atmosphere, Mm -hmm. and it's that tension. I mean, you take any two groups of people and you line them up across from each other and make them stare at each other long enough, somebody's going to get irritated because that's just irritating. (laughs) It just is. These police officers are out there. It's cold. They're standing in a line behind a barricade, and they're looking over there after a while and going, you know, (sighs) I'm missing... So-and-so was coming over to dinner, and I'm out here on overtime. And you people, and it's easy for them to go there because we've provided the us-against-them atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. You know, Gandhi would have said, you know, why does the British Empire exist in India? Well, because we allowed it to. Because Indians allowed it to. Sure. He was very clear on that. He was very clear on how to change it in his mind, and it, it, it certainly seemed to have been effective. But, it, you know, it starts with somebody getting up and saying okay let's not be us against them and 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 the best way and i think the fastest way to do that is with the children i jane and i talk all the time about you know what are we going to do about the kids yeah. <laughs> you know if well, it, you know the one thing i have learned and i've learned it from the chiefs of police that i i talked oftentimes with different chiefs throughout the state and those chiefs of police will do anything for a child such positive impact on that little bugger. <laughs> they say, you know, Paul, by the time a kid is 10, 12, they've already made up their mind. Either they're going to be a criminal of some sort or they're going to get along with everybody else. You know, it's like they can see that. They see it daily. But I'll tell you, I am inspired by police chiefs around the country. They'll do anything, and I mean, they say that to me, I'll do anything for a kid, because those are the ones you can still mold like soft clay in your hands, and they can turn into being great people in the world. You know, our program, what I'm trying to do is just give kids an opportunity to see that they don't have to be like, so they don't have to be like a mom, 
you know, an opportunity to succeed in your own. You don't have to like yourself. You be what God wants. You just go and do it. Just become whatever you great thing you want to be. And it's so neat. The, the the police chiefs. I mean, everyone I met, the chief. I think they've come through the ringer. They've been on the streets. They've seen it all. You know, virtually. And they, they, you know, we'll do anything for a job. And that's cool to know. That's kind of gives me a lot of protecting us now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, give them the opportunity to show their warm and caring side. That's uh, right. It 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 because it's there. It's yeah. it's. Um, you know, it may have been hardened by training and five years of working in, you know, a high crime mm-hmm. area. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. uh, and sometimes it's just, you know, you show up a domestic dispute and you're just thinking, good grief, people. You're beating each other up over what? You know, mm-hmm. and 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 it seems so ridiculous and it just makes it easy to, you know, people are crazy. The world's gone crazy. It's all, <laughs> nobody can fix it. It's all over. We're going to yeah, die right. in 2012. You know, I mean, it just makes it easy to go there because, yeah, it does. You, bet. Sure. you know, it's I mean, just like, like Gene is saying, it's just as important for these officers to have those warm moments of interaction as it is for anybody else. Because it used to, it used to happen. Uh, Matthews, um, I'll never get that right, maybe. Matthews. Uh, is, um has been saying in here, you know, a long time ago, police were more served than protect. And I think they would all rather do that. I don't know that there's any police officer that wants to go into a life-threatening situation. Right. And, but, but anymore, you can show up to get a cat out of a tree and somebody sneak up behind you and knock you in the head. They don't carry your police officer anymore. That used to mean something to both sides. And it was a positive thing. So, um, yeah, one of my biggest inspirations. You know, I was say one of my biggest inspirations for starting this whole idea with police. That's where we first started. Was because when I grew up in a small town in northern Wisconsin, my best friend, who was my best man in my wedding, his dad was the chief of police, and he'd come up to me on the TV, put his arm around, and go, "Hey, Billy, how's it going?" You know, slap me on the back. You know, I'm thinking that kind of relationship between the chief of police and the average guy in town no longer exists. Let's try and go back to those days where you slap a guy in the back and say, how's it going? You know, that's right. kind of where, that was been my inspiration to try and get the police. And when I first presented the thing, remember I was telling you, the guy said, this is the best idea I've ever heard. He, I think, at that moment, saw the big picture. He, he actually coined the phrase for our program, he's calling it an educational escape. You know, giving a book to a child. In the moment of crisis, nothing but good can come from that. And those are his exact words. And he, I think he saw the big picture. He was a, an assistant chief down the road, down the streets, doing all the stuff. And he realizes that, man, this could be a huge turning point for a lot of, you know, children's lives, you know. Because when you're a child, you're influenced so easily by, you know, one little thing may happen to you that you'll change your whole attitude for the rest of your life on something. And we, we're trying to strive to turn negatives and positives. That's our goal as an organization. It's just That's, such a crazy, simple idea. It's the um, simple it, ideas that work, it, I think. It really is. You know, it's a crazy, simple idea. It's direct from the heart space. And um, 
with no great ambition behind it other than to just help a kid. You know, that little thing, help a kid, <laughs> help change the whole world. Um, yeah, there you go. Really can. Yeah. I think this would be a great time for us to, to take a short break. And then when we come back, uh, I want to be sure that we get, for even our podcast listeners that don't see the links on our website and in the chat room, I want to get all the information out to folks on how they can find you and how they can get involved uh, because uh, I think everybody listening, if they have any opportunity of the slightest, should uh, should get involved if they can because uh, it's all about the kids, folks. <clears throat> it's all about the kids in the next seven generations, really. You know, there was a reason the natives talked about that. Uh, anyway, I think I'll uh, play a song from uh, our good friend uh, Dana Harmon uh, because uh, the title just seems fitting right now, and it's uh, this song is called God's Path. We'll be right back, folks.
air. Welcome back, everybody. Again, that was Dana Harmon, and uh, uh, quite a gifted young guitarist that overcame uh, uh, some negatives in his life and has gone to make a positive difference in a lot of kids' lives, too. Uh, we have been blessed with some really great friends here at Everyday Connection and uh, and another great friend uh, with us tonight. So, Paul, how can uh, how can folks find your organization uh, uh, on the Internet or... And 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 how can they get involved? Well, it's really simple. I mean, all they need to do, they can email me directly. And like I mentioned earlier in the show in the first part before we got cut off originally, that I'm willing to, anyone that wants to contact me, I'll ship you a complimentary issue of uh, The Kind-Hearted Pig with Wings and a Halo. And uh, I'll sign it and all that fun stuff. But my email address is paul.gilbertson.com. S-O-N, at reachachild.org. And if you can't remember all of that, if you just go to our website, that is www.reachachild.org.org. Uh, they can, we have a contact us page on there, too. They can just click on that, and they'll get an email sent right to me. But uh, as far as getting involved, what we normally ask people to do that want to get involved, bring the program into their community, is three things. One is talk to your local police, first responders, sheriff, firefighters, whomever, see if they'd like to have the program because we don't want to force this on anybody. See if they want to use it as a tool to engage children in their community in something positive. Secondly, we'd like to see them do a book drive one month a year to raise additional books to help supplement the ones that we send to them for their own community. So they're raising books in their community from kids that have gone off to college, there's always mothers that have closets full of books that their kids have read. So we could use those books to recycle them. I always tell people, we'll give them a good home. And the third thing is, do some fundraising event to help us fund the program because we try to charge about $500 per department per year for unlimited books in any community. Because we think $500 says it helps cover our shipping costs of the books, the backpacks, the whole ball of wax. And that's it. That's three things. And we're hoping when they do a fundraiser, we'll not only be able to fund it again in their own community the next year, but maybe in the community next to them, too. Because our goal is to spread this out as, as much as we can to reach as many kids as we can. Well, I would think once it hits in one location, then... Um... <laughs> Well, you've already got a volunteer in the chat room. Um, well, sweetie, definitely give him, send him an email, um, and I'm sure he would love to see you on board. But I would think that once it, it goes off in one location, that it would be very easy to get it to um, to spread out to towns, neighboring towns. I mean, the media yeah. must want to pick this up. It is. The, the media loves to do a story. They, I always tell people they like to do a good story every once in a while. So, yeah. We uh, have no problem getting on using the front page or inside uh, local section photograph of the people sponsoring it, photograph of the police you're giving the backpacks to, or the firefighters or first responders, and a little story about how Reach a Child is expanding into your community. And our objective is to reach kids in crisis. And you can help by you know doing a we call it a buck in the book drive or whatever they want to do. If everyone did just one little thing, this would become a national and international program before you know it. So I'm just leaving it to people to decide what they want to do themselves. You can take all the help we can get, put it that way. Absolutely. And people that feel feel that tug, everybody that's listening, if you're feeling that tug, 
there's probably something there for you. So I would say check it out. Uh, certainly get on the site. You, there's some inspiring uh, material there, uh, some inspiring videos, uh, and there is a map of the uh, U.S. with green states where uh, uh, the program exists now. And so particularly if your state is white, get on and see what we can do. Uh, Absolutely, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here and, and share a little bit of because we have a minute to share a personal story um, for those listening because we've got a comment in the chat room um, from one of our dear friends saying you know I'm gonna I'm gonna check this out and the cops will be surprised to see me again in a positive light. Um, I spent my time doing time. <laughs> And um, after the publication of my first book and our launch of our documentary with regards to children um, overseas and trying to empower the youth, I um, I went back to email my arresting officer and I went back to see my parole officer to let them know what I was doing. And um, the response from their end was absolutely incredible. And my reason for telling this story is because it doesn't matter where you are right now. It really doesn't. I promise you this. If you want to change your life for the better and you want to go in a new direction, and this sounds like something that can help you open up a communicative relationship with people that you've had run-ins with in the past, and those would be the boys in blue, take this opportunity because this is about healing old wounds. And um, I'm telling you that I've had the experience where I've gone back and said, look at what I'm doing with my life now, and had them go, absolutely incredible. We couldn't be happier. Um, so so never think that they're going to turn you away. When you come to them with something positive, that, you know. They would like to tell you stories about giving away books instead of reading you your rights. Absolutely. They really would. Absolutely. They really would. That's right. I throw the book at them, as they say. Huh? That's right. The real, That's right. The throw the children's book, book at them. That's right. Absolutely. Um, so, 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 never, never think about where you are, or where you've been, as as something to stop you from where you want to go. That's there you go. You are where you are, so big deal. Start there. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Kind of a starting point somewhere. That's, right. That's what I did, and my starting point was pretty rough. But uh, you know, now I'm on the radio, hopefully making a difference in uh, uh, somebody's life. It, it, one would be enough for me. I, w- I would do this if nobody listened. I have so much fun. <laughs> Come on. I, we I'm, get the most you know. incredible guests. You know, like, I don't think I've cried so much on a show. I'll tell you that. Paul, and there's right always the I've never cried this it, much you know, on a show. Um, of timing and everything. It's just... Absolutely. And I know that there was somebody in... In in the chat room tonight, who needed to hear this show? So um, you made a difference again, Paul. <laughs> there you go again. No, no, it, it's you guys that made the difference by at least inviting me to talk to people. You know, because I, I tell you, and I said it earlier today, I used to work to make money and uh, get things and go places and get stuff, and now I just work to make a difference because you know that's really the kind of footprint you leave in your life is what you but you're making it. So I'm, I'm hoping to make a difference. And so if someone was touching your audience, if you were touched, you know, my only follow-up to that is let's do something about it. Let's make a difference together. Let's, let's make something happen, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. You better believe it. I um, 
I've got the list in my head already. I even put a link in the chat room once to one of the folks that I want to get on board with this. Great, uh, great children's book author that's an uh, acquaintance of mine. I wouldn't say dear friend, but looks like about to be dear friend. Cause... I bet. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet when you um, it's the great thing about our, something like this. our line of work. We talk to a bunch of great people that, you know, when we call them and there's something that's awesome like this, which this is awesome and uh, inspired. Um, they just, they just go, wow, are you kidding? Why you didn't tell me about this yesterday? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's the beauty of everyday connection is that we really are able to make connections and connect people. So, so it's really cool that we get to do what we do. Um, and of course we couldn't do it without our, our incredible guests, our, our life changing guests. Absolutely. Who have followed their passion and their hearts. You know, I'm, I'm like like Mark Twain once said, a man can live a month off a good compliment. So I think I'm good for another month now. <laughs> well, good for good for you, because that's awesome. Uh, well, we'll have some we'll have some emails coming in to you tonight for sure. Um, well, sounds great, and have everybody send them, and send me their names, and I'll write them in the the children's book, and I'll mail it out to uh, them by first part of next week. So see how many people you can round up to send. Uh, their name and email to me, and I'll zip them up. Again, it's called The Kind-Hearted Pig with Wings and a Halo. It's the first one. My kids loved it the most, and I said, okay, might as well go with one that's uh, endorsed. So that was the first book we got out. That's uh, so First so of many. Cool. So what do your kids think of this? Because so we've got 10 minutes left, and I'm just wondering, um, what do your kids think about watching? They, I guess they've been watching the progression of this, and they know how yeah. it progressed, so... Well, you know, that's interesting you mention it because, you know, each, I have four children and they each have responded, you know, a little differently, which is, I guess, not to be surprised at, but, uh, you know, one of them said, that's great, Dad, you do it. You know, I remember having a a table at the dining room. uh, We had a dinner at the dining room table and we sat down, all the kids were there, and I first said to them, you know, you guys have had everything you've ever wanted in your lives, you know, if you want Go here, you need money for your dad. Here, you go there and do that. Do whatever you want to do. Get your car when you're 16, blah, blah, blah. I said, you know, things are going to change because I'm going to start a nonprofit and I won't be paying myself anything. I'll be going from a six figure income down to a zero income. But I'm I'm driven to do this because I, I want to try and make a difference. I'll see if it works, see if it has any impact. And I remember my oldest daughter at the time was going to college. She bought us. A junior at college, she said, Dad, I could stop college and get a job. Holy shit. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I've been blessed with great kids, you know? Yeah, yeah. And stuff like that. They've been, they've been blessed with a great father. Well, uh, I, I don't I know anything about your parenting style, but I don't have to know because I've heard enough tonight to know. <laughs> And uh, you know, I mean, so, I've been blessed all my life, so it's you know high time to make a difference in someone else's life. You know, and I'm looking too at all the, you know, the whole country's up in arms about this one percent of America that owns you know ninety percent of everything, and I'm trying to figure out a way to get those one percent people thinking about something other than themselves. You know, if they have all the wealth and all the billions and money, and they can change people's lives. How much do you need for yourself before you start looking around? Like, I May I? 
Yeah, and could we get may a few children's something? books? Well, <laughs> may, may I? Yes. May I say something regarding that? Um, I don't think it matters. Um, I, I honestly, doing what I do now, knowing what I know now, and embarking on some of the amazing projects that we're about to embark on, I don't think it matters what the 1% does because the 99% has so much power within them to make this a better world. And so it just doesn't matter because in the end, they're people too. And when the rest of the world decides to go in the direction that we want to go collectively, the 1% are going to follow and fall into that just like everybody else because it just won't feel comfortable doing anything else. So I, I just don't think it matters. Um, it, it doesn't, and we don't need any more enemies. We need yeah, friends. It's really, all us. It's not us against them. It's all us. Well, it's not, it's not at all. No, you're and, right, absolutely. We're all and, in this thing together. But I'm and just wanting to you know what? <laughs> how do you get someone thinking about others? And, you know, I'm even working on my kids for that, you know. I go, hey, now that my daughter's, my oldest daughter's got a great job working for Milwaukee Tools. She's been promoted three times. She's in marketing at the national office. I say, okay, but don't forget about people less fortunate than yourselves. You know, you just kind of, kind of plant the seed, I think, is what you have to do more than anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty much. All. And I think it's about it's about empowering each individual to know that they can make a difference. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and that that's, this is the sort of thing that can happen when yeah. they hear that small voice of guidance within say go and um it can it can really if you if you've really tuned into that that guiding spirit within you it becomes magical and that's what i would call the experience you've related to us tonight is simply magical uh this is wizardry this is magic and 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 bringing heaven on earth is Wow, I saw that. It needs some help, and I know. I think I know how I can help. And, there you go. And uh, we wouldn't have Occupy. We'd. That's right. That's we, right. We, we, we'd have pumpkin pie together <laughs> in the Next park. Year. Yeah, uh, you know, absolutely. Yeah. We all be in the park talking to each other about, you know, the latest children's book. That would just be a beautiful world. I think you know, Occupy is it. going to inspire some incredible action on the behalf of individuals from around the world, and um, I'm very grateful for the movement. I just don't see a need for the division. Um, like right, you just right. wrote into the chat room, Rick, we are the 100%, and um, yeah. we have to remember that um, they're just people, too. At yep. the end of the yeah. day, they need to eat. They need to sleep. They, yeah. Absolutely. they need to give a kid a book and look at that child's eyes. There you that'll, go. That, that'll you got it. That's heart on the planet. I just thank myself. You know, they, they got to get that intrinsic feeling that their lives mean something to you, you know. Absolutely. That's right. Absolutely. That's right. Well, hey, I, it's been well, a pleasure you. meeting the two of you tonight. This has been a uh, real joy for me. My phone was bleeping at me. My yeah. battery might be running low, but I, I hopefully... Well, that's perfect uh, timing because we're 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 done here for this evening. We could go on about this for ages because we just yeah. all love kids around here. But, but um, feel free to give me a call anytime, and I will yeah, make sure I drop myself. you an email tonight. That'd be and, great, yeah. Uh, we'll see if we can't yeah. get some things happening. 
and, and uh, keep us on your radar as we expand. And feel free to have me back in six months, a year. And let me, and I'll let you know where we're at today. Absolutely, we absolutely be will. Honored to have you back for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All righty. You All guys right, have a good everybody. night. It's Thanks been for a listening. Pleasure. Blessings Talk to you again next week. Yeah. Nice. Thanks, you guys. Join Rick and Jean again next time. Until then, visit their website at everydayconnection.me. And be sure to like their Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection. Worried you might miss an episode? Don't worry. Subscribe. Find us on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free just like your everyday connection. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.